0: Uh, if you would look at 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to read <clears throat> a good portion of the chapter this evening. And then um, probably for the next couple Wednesdays, <coughs> excuse me, the next two or three Wednesdays, um, we will be examining a few specific verses, particularly in the middle of the passage. And we're just kind of going to walk through it uh, together for the next few weeks um, for what the Lord has uh, for us. And I'm going to do this again. Jack, will you be my runner tonight? I forgot to fill this up again (laughs) beforehand this evening, but I can tell already I might need it. Um, If you would look at 1 Peter chapter 5, go ahead and stand uh, just one last time. Uh, Wake us up and wake our brains up a little bit on this uh, Wednesday evening. And if you would look at verse number 1, and we'll begin reading there. So notice who Peter is writing to. He's writing to this church, and now he's addressing certain groups within this church. And he says, The elders which are among you I exhort, whom am also an elder. So he says, I, like you, am an elder. And a witness to the sufferings of Christ. He says, I saw them. And also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock. So now he's telling them, what they should do, and it's interesting, after Jesus tells Peter to feed his sheep, now Peter is instructing those that he has mentored to also feed uh, those sheep. And he says, "...feed the flock of God which is among you, taking oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords <clears throat> over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock, So he's kind of giving them instruction of how they should handle this. He says, you know, sometimes when there's things that come up in a church, <clears throat> you don't have to uh, take control by uh, force, but by example and by love. And then verse 4, and when uh, the chief shepherd, and it's good that he addresses that, that we do have a chief shepherd and guide in the Lord Christ, and he shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Now he addresses younger. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. So he says, subject yourselves to each other. There is not one that's far over the others. And be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Uh, um, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Let's pray. You can, you can be seated and we'll pray <coughs> and ask God to bless these few moments in his word. Dear, dear Jesus, help us tonight to be again encouraged by your word. Uh, we can say words, and talk words, but only you can speak to us. And we can read these words, but only you can give us understanding. Uh, we can um, seek guidance, but only you can give it. And so we ask that we would rely on you tonight in this simple uh, but profound uh, truth, and we ask that you'd... Uh, be our strength in it, in your precious name. <clears throat> Amen. I want to focus tonight on one particular <coughs> section of these verses. You see there it says 1 Peter 1, uh, 1 5. It's supposed to be the other way around, 5, just chapter 5. And uh, we're going to particularly focus tonight on verses 5 uh, through 7, with a special emphasis on verse number 7. And we hear this phrase, cast your cares on him—that's probably a phrase that we've heard a lot. And you—you you remember the last few weeks in different services, we've kind of talked about several phrases that we're very familiar with in Scripture. We dealt with Psalm 23, and, <clears throat> and kind of that sometimes our familiarity with that can kind of breed apathy toward it. And we said. John 3.16, and again, we're so familiar with that, and sometimes it can breed apathy toward it. And this is another verse that you see on posters. You see it on walls, painted into rooms, and stenciled in places, and hung on frames, and captioned on things. And cast your cares upon the Lord. And sometimes we include the latter part of that verse, but often we don't truly grasp exactly what what we're really supposed to do is this on a daily basis, not just in the big moments of life and not just in the hard moments of life, but this is something that's difficult to deal with each and every day. And our familiarity with this phrase, you see it there, it says, does not make it generic or any less powerful than it should be. Uh, We can claim this real instruction from God's Word to be used in our lives. Notice it says the word cares, okay? So if you look in verse number uh, 7, casting all your care or your cares, it's actually plural, casting all your cares on Him. Um, that word care is only <clears throat> um, found a few places throughout Scripture, and it literally means worries, anxieties, and troubles. It's actually a very visual word that would have uh, kind of indicated things that separate, things that divide, uh, troublesome things, literally things that kind of fracture our being. They divide our minds, they separate our faith, what we believe, and what our hearts are feeling sometimes. And so this isn't just the normal <coughs> ins and outs of just some general care, or I'm a little worried about these things. These are things that are very uh, crucial in our lives for one reason or another, and we face them more often than we think. These things that divide us from what we know to be true and what we're actually feeling to be true. From what we believe God actually says and what we actually are sensing that God is doing. And he says, Take those cares... Those troubles, those worries, those anxieties, literally, that are dividing your mind, that are separating you out. Do you ever feel like you're two different people laying down at night and that you're positive? I had a lot of that the last uh, few days or whatever it's been now, a couple weeks almost, where for a moment I feel fine and positive and uh, grateful and thankful, and in the next, one word or one phrase. One text or one call or one thing that I remember kind of has to now be done or taken care of can immediately just divide my mind and my heart. And on one side I can feel grateful and I can feel sheltered by God, but I can also sense an anxiousness and an anxiety in my heart and a worry in my soul. And so it says these cares that divide you, we're supposed to deal with these things. Peter makes it clear as he finishes this letter that the absence of anxiety cannot be separated, we're going to talk about this in a moment, from the presence of humility before God. You cannot be anxious before God and humble before Him uh, all at the same time. And if you humble yourself, then God will see to the fact that we are not anxious before him, and he's going to separate those things for us. But look, if you would, number one, the anxieties that we do face. Let's think about that for a moment. We have real cares, (coughs) real worries, and real concerns. And sometimes they're daily concerns, aren't they? Sometimes they're the menial tasks. Do you ever feel sometimes that your mind can't work because about something future or about something bigger because you kind of focused on this one thing. And it may not be a big thing. Uh, I, know, I know people that it bothers them if the lawn is not mowed once it's laid. I mean, it, I can't get anything else done until I go mow the lawn. That may be your thing, you know, whatever it, whatever it may be. Uh, we have these things in our mind. Have you ever had like so much to do in a day, but one particular thing that you have no control maybe over even sometimes at the moment that we're worried about, so we just don't do any of them. I I do that often. You know, I have 15 things I need to do today, and there's one thing that I can't do, but I'm very worried about, so I'm not going to do those 15 things that I can do. And often that's because we're divided by our cares and by our worries, by our struggles, by our anxieties. Sometimes they're daily concerns. Sometimes they're tomorrow's cares. Sometimes they're a doctor's appointment sometimes they're a meeting with somebody about a job or a fine have you ever been called in the worst thing in the world is at the end of the day when the boss says and I have had this happen before hey I like you to come by tomorrow when you get here we need to talk about something and then I, I got to go home and I got to eat and play with my kids and sleep knowing that tomorrow there's something that they didn't tell me about today and so I'm just like, can you just like give me some cliff notes on this? Uh, a little preface as to what this discussion's gonna be about. Is there something really bad wrong? Does it have to do with me? Is it somebody in our church? Is this an issue that's coming up? Or is it something like simple that, that I don't have to worry about? But sometimes it's tomorrow's cares that I'm unsure of. Sometimes there are worries deep into our future. What is my child going to be or do or uh, where, where's my job going to lead me much further <laughs> down the road? If I'm not fully satisfied now with my physical life, what's it going to be like far down the future? And so sometimes it's today and sometimes it's tomorrow and sometimes our worries are way down the road, but the truth still remains that we're often most anxious about the things that we can least control. Have you ever noticed that? I don't worry about a lot of things that I know I can do. Like, if I know I can take care of it, I really don't worry about it that often. Uh, It may be in my mind, I got to get this done. I I don't want to procrastinate. I shouldn't procrastinate. I shouldn't put this off. And so there may be concern that way. But if it's something I know I can kind of take control, this is old hat, that's not what I'm most anxious about, is it? Most of the time, the things I'm anxious about are things I don't control. Like, one big one that I struggle with sometimes, and I'm sure we all do, is have you ever been anxious or worried about what someone else thinks? And then we try to control what that person thinks. And then in reality, we end up showing them that we are exactly what they thought we were in the first place. And so we just confirmed what they thought about us in the first And we try to control what people think. Well, I can't get into someone's brain or someone's mind. I can't change someone's opinion of me unless I just faithfully follow what God says to do, and then what they think about me is under their control. I can't worry. I can't be anxious in that regards. Have you ever worried about someone else's decision? It doesn't even barely maybe affect you in in a way, or maybe the decision will affect you, but you have no control over what the decisions actually going to be, and so we worry, and we come consumed sometimes, and we end up dwelling and thinking on, okay, and as the Bible teaches us, particularly all throughout the book of Psalms, we end up meditating on things we can't control, and we end up meditating on things that divide us, and we end up meditating on things that are ill for our minds and for our hearts when the Bible tells us we should be meditating on truth, and we should be meditating on God and his character and what he is like because though we can't control all of our problems God is in control of all of our problems and so rather than think about all the things I can't control I can think about the one that controls them all notice it says a glorious emphasis of verse 7 in particularly is where or which anxieties are addressed Notice it doesn't say cast your big cares, cast your small cares, cast your daily cares, cast your ugly cares, cast violent cares, cast sick cares. It doesn't say anything specific about those cares other than cast all your cares on Him. What causes you to care in your life? What causes you to worry I wrote down some things, and there's a little bit of a space there. I want to give you more. Maybe you can use it over on the right side. Even now, as they come to your mind, jot some of these things down. Tonight, before you go to bed, jot some of these things down. Jot down the things you worry about right before you try to sleep. That would be good. (laughs) But if we're giving them to the Lord, then it can be good. Are they small? Are they large? Are they present today worries? Are they future cares and worries? Are they directly involving your life? Are they indirectly involving your life? Have you ever noticed how much you worry about what's on the news, what you read on a website, what's in the paper, and 90% of that will never affect your life? But I worry about it, right? Is it personal? Is it cultural? Is it a vocational worry? Is it a familial? Is it something with our family? Is it something extended? Is it a relationship? What are they? And as you think of them, you can jot them down, and all through this next few moments, if you think of more, or even throughout the next few days, it helps to see them. As you worry the next couple of days, and you may not want to call it worry, but we all do. And as we worry, and as we're concerned, or as we have anxiety these next few days about things, and I don't necessarily <coughs> mean some sort of <coughs> that we have cl- some sort of clinical anxiety or some <coughs> sort of problem, but we might. There might be things that are regarding our lives like that, but anxiety just simply means that constant thought about a problem or the negative. As those come into your mind, write them down. And, I, and it's interesting that if we were to write them down, you may think, and I've done this before, I've even done it in the last week or so, and as you write these things down, I think as I'm writing them, man, this is going to overwhelm me. Like when I look at the list of the things I worry about, I'm going to feel awful, like you ever wrote a to-do list and then you're looking at it like there's no way. That's kind of the way I feel about this. Like I'm going to write down all my worries and then when I look at it I'm going to be like, "Man, look how much I worry about. This is awful. But in reality what actually happened, at least for me, as I wrote down and write down these worries and these cares and these anxieties what concerns me most, and I look at them, I realize number 1 how insignificant most of them really are. And number two, how out of control of those things I really am. And number three, how relevant or irrelevant, most of the time irrelevant they are in the scheme of God's plan and purpose for my life. And so the thing that I think about most really sometimes should matter the least. Look at number two, the action that God instructs. So he doesn't just give us a verse and say, (coughs) you have anxieties and you have cares and fears. Have fun. He doesn't say that. He gives us something that we can do. And you have the word there, it says verse 7, casting all your care on Him. I like that it doesn't just tell us, Peter doesn't say just deal with your anxious experiences. He doesn't say to deny your worries. He doesn't say ignore your cares. And he doesn't say run from our anxiousness. He gives us an action you ever been hurt last year in in, in sorry isn't it interesting we like bribe children sometimes to feel better um it's like so and so falls on the pavement it's like hey are you okay you know the, at the park and their child's screaming and we're like it's all right everybody you know i was paying attention to my child i promise and so we're like you know, she, say it's Ellie, Ellie's bleeding, she's got blood on her knees and gravel all over the place, you know, different things, and she's got big old tears, and my initial concern is, are you okay? And then when I see her, she's okay, I'm like, do you want to go get an ice cream, or, you know, what will make you stop crying? And, and it's like, in her mind, she may not say this, but she just doesn't want to hurt, and she doesn't want to be bleeding, and ice cream's not going to help either one of those, necessarily, but I try to kind of coat what has just happened by distracting her. Last year <clears throat> one of the first few days of hunting season I go out and <clears throat> capture an animal I'll just let you decide how you want on that uh, <laughs> how you want to think about me and that. So I go home and I was trying to deal with my utensils that change uh, prey to dinner and uh, <laughs> so I I wash it. i want to wash these things. I sharpen them. I sharpen them, do everything I'm supposed to do. And then I wash them off. I'm like, okay, now i got to do this. And I lean over and I set them in the sink, which is fine. And I lean over like this to grab soap from underneath the sink. And when I do, my hand slips off. And I cut kind of from this side of my thumb all the way around to this side of my thumb. I'm like, oh, man. My first concern was, who's going to process this deer? <laughs> <laughs> So I got one hand, I got my hand literally taped together, and I'm trying to deal with this thing and bag things and put it in the freezer, do everything I'm supposed to do. And then I'm like, okay, now i got to go to the hospital and get some stitches. And so when I get there, the uh, kind lady that was there to help me on different things, she said, we're really backed up tonight. I'm not sure we're going to get to you in different, oh, okay, that's good. Um, it's not bleeding as bad as it was. And so we're dealing, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, this, this I'm not sure how this is going to go. And uh, she says, can I get you a... Uh, ginger ale or a water (laughs) yeah because that'll make me think so much better of what's going on with this really my concern is not ginger ale and crackers I want to know am I keeping my thumb you know (laughs) but in that moment she's trying to distract and in a way and I understand what she's doing but Peter does not tell us to do that he doesn't say okay you have cares and anxieties get a balloon have an ice cream and a ginger ale And it'll all go away. He gives us something far better than that. He says, your worries, your cares, and your problems, your hurts, your pains, whether they seem to be just petty desires or deep-seated emotions, he says, cast them. Throw them. That word is an energetic, descriptive word. It's only used one other time in Scripture in the book of Matthew. I forget the exact reference when it says it the disciples took their garments and cast them onto a donkey so that Jesus would ride them. Literally just toss them, throw them onto the donkey. It's the only place it's used. But it's saying literally throw them. Recklessly toss them. He doesn't say cautiously bring them so that they don't break and fall. He doesn't say place them here for Jesus. There's nothing cautious about this word. He says throw them. Cast them off. Get rid of them out of you're hard, And though that sounds easy, in some ways it also seems very difficult. Because sometimes, like the last week or so, <clears throat> there's been moments that I've tried to pray and I have no idea what to say. And it's not that I am bitter, and it's not that I'm upset or even angry. There's just these moments that my brain is lost. And I know I'm worried, sort of. I know I'm hurting. I know I'm Struggling with things in a way. But I know that God says to cast them. And I don't know exactly what to say or exactly what to do. But I try. But I want you to notice what verse, verse 7 is linked to. Verse 7 is actually linked to verse number 6. Verse 7 is a continuation of verse number 6. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Then he says, Casting all your care upon him. Casting my cares on God starts with myself being humble before him. Throwing my wants and needs and desires and worries to the Lord starts with humility before his throne. It starts with me saying, God, I can't control this, but you can. God, I won't try to over-control this situation, and I'm going to trust you to deal with it. He says, God, I don't understand the hurt and the pain, but I know that you know what's best. And we can't cast our burdens to the Lord without a humble heart. You can't be prideful and hang on to those things and say, I'm going to control them, but Jesus, if I get to where I lose control, if you would take them from me. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say to cautiously place them. it says, throw them. Cast them to the Lord. And here's a good reason why. Because it relies on number three. Notice this, the assurance that we have. So he says, <coughs> first, you have anxiety. You have care. And there's something you can do with that. Cast it to the Lord. But why can we do that? All of verse 7 rests in the end of the phrase or the end of the verse there the end of the sentence starting back at humble yourselves therefore humble yourself cast your care upon him why for he careth for you why can I cast my care to the Lord because his care is greater than mine it's interesting the two words are not the same where it says cast your care on the Lord for he careth for you. It doesn't say cast your worry and your fear and your anxiousness to the Lord because he worries and is fearful and is anxious for you. They're not the same word. They're two totally different words. And the, where it says, For he careth for you, that word means the object of affection. It means care, nudity, to nurture and to love. So he says, Cast your care, worry, fear and anxiousness Because He cares, loves, nurtures, and protects for you. And so when He says, throw your anxiety, throw your care, throw your fears, throw your problems to the Lord, He's not saying just do this because He can just bear all the burdens Himself. Though we don't have shoulders broad enough to carry our own burdens, and yes, the Lord does, He doesn't worry in the same way we do. He's not looking at our cares and our problems and concerns the same way that we are. He's not fearful of what we're fearful of. When we come to God with a fear or a problem <coughs> or a situation that we feel out of control, or we feel anxious, or we feel just pain, we just feel bad about it, the wonderful thing is that our God is not like us. And when I bring that to Him, if I were to bring you something, if you didn't know who I was, there are some people the last few days that I know very generally just from the area, just acquaintances, and I've seen them again for the first time in a couple weeks, and we're just striking up conversation. They have no idea anything has happened, and, and some of them, the conversation has come up. And just in me kind of sharing what has happened, immediately their, the look on their face changes. I'm so sorry, and there's concern, and there's care. Can I help you? There's, there's, but generally, they share that worry. They share the burden. And they share the anxiousness. And if I were to come to you and share my problems of life, mostly the only thing you could do is just share in that burden and anxiousness and fear. But when we take it to the Lord, He doesn't do that. Because He takes that worry and that fear and that anxiousness, He says, it doesn't make Him worry. It doesn't shock Him or throw Him off guard. There's nothing that's out of His control and plan. But He takes it and replaces it with His own care which is love, nurturing, and affection. And so what's going to help me more to deal with my worry, my problems, my situations in life, my bills, my finances, my sickness, my broken relationships, my misunderstandings, my questions, my things that come up at work, the person that I just can't seem to love and I can't seem to talk to about the gospel in a way that they'll listen. And I'm worried about that. How can I ever figure out how to be great enough to convince them of these? God's saying, cast that on me because I care for you. and I care for them. But I don't care the same way you do. I care in a far better way. God's care is far better than our care. Fortunately, the outcome, you see, there are our circumstances, they're not up to us, they're up to God. The casting of our cares on Him, and I love this, is anchored not to us and not to how well we cast. Okay? When it says recklessly throw, a few years ago, we lived back here at this house as a teenager, I guess, maybe in college, teenager, I think. And underneath the... uh, there's a little tub in there, and had this thing you could pull off, and you could look up under the tub. <coughs> and under the tub, I opened it, and there was this thing laying there. And out of smart, natural reaction, I grabbed it. <laughs> just ah, out of shock, I grabbed it. And it was a, it was, it was a dead snake, but it was a snake. Oh. So I grabbed it, and when I pulled it out, I realized what it is, and I just kind of <laughs> just throw it. And uh, luckily, my mom was not there. <laughs> and i deal with it. But I was not like aiming at anything. I wasn't a very good caster. I wasn't shooting into the tub. I was just like, get it, get it out, get it gone out of my hands. And I'm not even, I don't really care too much about snakes. They don't bother me too much, unlike my parents, either one. But in that moment, I'm just, I just throw it. And when God says, cast your cares, He's not saying, carefully fix all your problems and bring them to me. He says, just, just. Throw it. Just recklessly have faith. In an unashamed way, trust me for all of your needs, all of your cares. Casting our care on him works not because we're good casters, but because he's a good and powerful God. Kind of imagine um, I'll play ball sometimes a little bit with Boston, and he's actually a pretty good shot. Ellie, not as much. And we'll play toss, and we're throwing things back and forth, and <coughs> especially initially when Boston was learning to kind of throw things, the ball would go all over the place. And what pleased him more than anything is when I caught it. And um, I, I probably nearly escaped some massive injury several times just <laughs> trying to catch the ball to please him. Here he was, you know, he's standing there, and, Dad, catch. And I know he's just so excited just if I catch it. And So he just throw it. And I'm standing here and the ball's going over there. So I'm diving across the room. Toys, puncturing ribs and all these things. Just trying to catch it. And it made him so happy. Now, is he a great thrower? No, he, he wasn't. Now now he's better. But I would do all that I could to catch it. And it pleased him. Tonight, when we bring our cares before the Lord, we don't have to be good throwers. Because he always catches He never loses it. It never falls out of his grip. And he never deals with it wrongly. Have you ever given something to the Lord and then realized he wasn't handling exactly in the way you might, so we take it back? He doesn't ask us to do that. He says, humble yourself. Fall on your face, on your knees before me. Humble yourself. And once you've done that, can cast your cares because when you do that I will always catch them why because I care for you let's pray this evening